Hello there, I'm Pastor John. Thank you for joining us today. There are a lot of ways to engage here at Harrisonburg First Church of the Nazarene, but we truly do thank you for listening here. If you haven't heard, we're also on Spotify now with the same great content. For more information about our church, you can check us out on the web at abeaconofhope.org. That's abeaconofhope.org. Please be sure to follow us on Facebook. We're live each Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. And you can find us on Instagram as well. Hey, this morning we are entering into a new series, uh, really that's going to mark kind of our summer together. And if you can't tell, we are really excited about what it is that God's doing this summer here at HFCN. Really for us, this is going to be a summer of mission, of mission. I felt called uh, last year, uh, a year ago, as I kind of began as the lead pastor here, uh, one of the things God placed on my heart is just continuing to emphasize this call for us as a church to mission. And I want to make sure as a church that we don't just give to mission, we don't just support mission, but that we're part of doing the mission. And so I'm grateful for everybody that does that. I'm grateful for those that give, and I'm grateful for those that serve, but I want us to be a church that does both well. And so uh, through the best week ever, which is coming up in the end of July, uh, and our VBS, which you heard about this morning, we've already got over 300 volunteers that are committed to serving that week in some capacity. I know others are still volunteering, and so we're excited and really believe that God has asked us as a church this summer to be a part of his mission in our community and beyond. And so as we prepare for that, my heart is really uh, that we would center in and gather around this idea. And so I've titled this series, Go. Go, and really for the next four weeks, we're going to be looking at the book of Acts, an incredible book of mission, not just uh, thousands of years ago, but today, an inspiration and a guide for us on how to live. And so if you would now turn uh, in your copy of scripture to Acts chapter 1, uh, we're going to dive in today to verses 4 and 5 of Acts chapter 1, and uh, if you do not have a, your copy of scripture, uh, your version Bible app is a great resource. We have an event set up there under our church name, and there's uh, notes there, and you can follow along. It's another great way for you to stay connected and engaged with the Word of God. Uh, so this is uh, God's Word for us, Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. It says this, on one occasion... While he was eating with them, Jesus gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. Verse 5, for John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. This is a really important section of scripture for us, A, because you'll see in the book of Acts, this first chapter of Acts, there's some red letters. That means Jesus is speaking. He has not yet ascended back into heaven. He came and was born and he ministered and he died on the cross. He rose again and now for 40 days he's appeared uh, to different witnesses. He's continued to teach, but now is the time, the appointed time for him to go back into heaven. And so he's using this moment to give some really important instructions, really a command, as it says in verse 4 and 5. And in a series that we're talking about go, we're talking about the mission of the church, not just our church, the church, universal. And over the next couple weeks, we're going to center around this idea that we are called to obey. In obedience uh, means go, go, and, and we're going to do that. But I think it's curious now, as we look in verse 4 of Acts chapter 1, that Jesus' command to his disciples in this moment is wait. Wait. Uh, look at it again in verse 4. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait. 
wait, wait, pastor, I thought this was a message about go. I thought this was, yeah, yeah, and, and these are the people. This group of apostles and disciples are the group that Jesus is going to commission to go and to lead and to preach and to work, and the church is going to be transformed, but his command in this moment is not go. His command is wait, wait. Skip down to verse 8 with me and continue uh, to read along. This is uh, Jesus explaining his command. Verse 8, he says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus is making a promise. He's making a promise, and he's saying God is going to use you. God is going to use your life to bring his kingdom here on earth. He's going to use you. Uh, you are going to go. The kingdom of God is going to break loose. It's going to be uncontainable. God is going to break loose. But before you do that, you need to wait. Wait, because there's a promise coming. And when it comes, man, you're going to be my witnesses. And you're going to be my witnesses here in Jerusalem. And you're going to be my witnesses in Judea, which is a little bit bigger. And in Samaria, which is a little bit bigger. And then to the ends of the earth, which is the whole thing. I'm going to, God's going to use you, Jesus said, to do powerful, incredible things. And specifically in verse 8, as we understand this call to wait, Jesus is reminding us three things that are really important, really uh, important foundation that's being laid here for the early church, for the early believers, but I think it's true for us today. And Jesus is really reminding us of these three things. As you prepare for the mission God has, as you prepare to go, here's three things that are so important Jesus wants us to know. The first is it's not my power. It's not my power. Look at what it says in Acts 1, verse 8. He says, you will receive power. You will receive God's power. That must mean that I don't yet have the power. <laughs> if I did, why would I be waiting? I could do it now. I could go now. But he doesn't say now. He says, wait, and then you will receive power. You will receive God's Power. The mission that you are being called to do is not something that you can do on your own power. Your own power, your own strength, it is not enough. You need God's power. So in this moment, Jesus wants the early believers, and I think, man, this matters to us today, that it's, it's not this call, it's not about your strength, it's not about how good you are, it's not about how gifted you are, it's not about how much caffeine you had this morning. That's not it. It's about my power. But next, Jesus goes on to say, it's not, it's not my power, us, you, me. And it's also, Jesus is reminding us, it's not about my timing. Look at what it says. It says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes. Uh, he said, wait. You've got to wait because you're waiting because it's not really about your timing. And some of us, we're like go kind of people. We're like, let's go. Let's do this. Right now, I'm ready kick down the doors, bust through a wall, let's go. But Jesus said, no, 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 wait. Because it's not, it's not your timing. It's not, as an individual reading this story, it's not my timing. It's his timing. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes, when God's timing, when he moves, when he works. And finally, the third thing is it's not really my purpose. You and me, it's not my purpose that we're looking, the call that we're talking about, this idea of go is not about me doing my thing in the world, leaving my mark, making my, that's not it. Why? Because look at what it says. He says, you will be, Jesus says, my witness. You're not witnessing about yourself. 
You're not here to prop yourself up. You're not here to gain a bigger spotlight, to make a bigger platform for your name. You're not here to lift your name up. No, 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 you will be my witnesses, Jesus says. And so for us, this was true then, and this is so true for us today. The call of God, the call to go is not about my power, and it's not about my timing. Man, we wish it was, and it's not about my purpose. It's about his power in his time for his purpose beautiful. This morning, uh, I think it's beautiful that what we're about to read in the weeks ahead is a movement of the kingdom of God like we've never seen before. And I hope and pray as a church, I think it would be really cool this summer if we would just gather in around the book of Acts in your quiet time this week in some personal reflection that you would take a few moments if you haven't recently read through the book of Acts and just experience all that God does through his work of his spirit in, in the early church. And the beautiful thing about it is this doesn't come to pass because of a strategic plan. I like strategic planning. I think that's great. But the disciples didn't come together and make four steps on how to grow the church. It didn't happen because one or two dynamic leaders took over. It happened simply and profoundly because they obeyed the Lord. They obeyed. They waited on the Spirit. They waited on His power and His timing and His purpose. And the result of that was beautiful change the world but this morning as we continue in the series and in the weeks ahead we kind of further define what this call is that we are called to collectively this call to go I have a question I think it's pretty profound I think it relates to each of us today but this idea of waiting that we read about in Acts 1 verse 4 my question for you and for me today is what are you waiting for what are you waiting for in this story, Jesus says, uh, you know, he, he's about to leave. He's about to leave this earth, and he's, you know, in some ways about to leave them with a lot of questions, a lot of uncertainty, and he is commissioning them to be the church. But he gives them this command, wait, wait. And for seven days, that's what they do. They don't know it's going to be seven days. They're just told to wait. And, and that sounds like a week is like, oh, no big deal. Just sleep a lot and play solitaire. Like, I don't know like what you think waiting is, but in this moment, that had to be an excruciating time. I mean, day after day is, I don't know what they're sitting there playing Parcheesi or whatever. I, I don't know, but they're sitting there waiting, and there has to be a question. What, what are we waiting for again? How, how will we know when we've gotten there? How will we, will we know? How many more days, I mean, day after day, some of us in the room, we would be really good for one day, and maybe two days, but three and four and five. Last week, we talked about the story in Joshua chapter six about uh, Joshua is promised deliverance, and God instructs him and the people to walk around the city, and for six days, they walk around the city, they march around the city, and nothing is happening. And I just said, real honestly, I don't know that I could have done more than six days of that. I don't like to wait. I hate waiting, right? I mean, and I'm raising kids that don't like to wait either, by the way. They want to eat now. They want to do it now. Can we go now, right? Like, and they probably got that from me because we are not good at waiting, but some of us today in this room are waiting on something. And maybe you've done everything you know to be obedient. Maybe you're trusting God today. You're saying, God, there's nothing in my life I'm holding back from you, but... I'm not experiencing the answer to this prayer. I'm not realizing your promise is not being fulfilled yet in my life. And so that question 
for you and for me is, what are you waiting on? We read a story. We read a gospel that is full of waiting. I was thinking about this week, waiting on a Savior, waiting for the promised land, waiting for a battle to be won, waiting for the walls to come down, waiting for the promise of God to be fulfilled. The gospel is a gospel of waiting. So today, what is it that you are waiting on? What is it that you're waiting for? Share a little bit of, of my story with you today. I've shared this before with many of you, but uh, many, many years ago, uh, Lauren and I began to sense a call on our lives to adopt. And we were able to have biological children of our own, but we just sensed that God was calling us. And so over six years ago, um, we began to answer that call. It was go for us. It was our response. It was our yes. And, and over those six years and two different adoption journeys, I'm just here to tell you that a lot of things did not go well. <laughs> I mean, God blessed and he moved and he parted the waters and he did miracles in our lives, but then time after time, tragedy seemed to follow us. It seemed like we could not escape it. And so time after time, we experienced the heartbreak and the brokenness of waiting without ever experiencing the blessing, without ever experiencing the promise of God. So time and time I would go back and say, God, did I really hear you? Did I really answer? I mean, I was obeying you and I was, I mean, I was going. I was not, this was not a comfortable thing for me, but I was answering your call. And time and time again, I heard him say, yeah, you've been faithful and obedient. So fast forward to just a couple years ago, we, in, in a lot of fear, and a lot of, we were waiting, but not joyfully, <laughs> waiting in our grief. We sensed the Lord asking us again to be willing and open. And so there was a specific uh, case, and we, we began to step forward, but I had a lot of fear. I had a lot of anxiety. All I could see was all of the past brokenness and despair and the things that had gone wrong for me, and all that fear kept me from wanting to trust God. But finally, I just, in, maybe the, the Holy Spirit wore me down. I said, okay, God. We'll take a step. And I knew it would, be, it would take not one miracle, but several miracles for this to happen. And sure enough, God just said, will you trust me? Will you go? Will you obey? And in the waiting, and in the waiting, and the waiting, God was faithful. Just a year ago, July 24th, 2018 was the day we got the call. We finally got to go meet our little girl, a year and a half old coming home from Congo in Central Africa. That's six years ago when we began this journey. She wasn't even born. But in God's providence, in his divine leading, this was going to be our daughter. And so I have a couple pictures for you this morning. The first is uh, of Lauren and I waiting. We showed up that day at the time. It's the international arrival. And so you're there at Dulles, and all the international arrivals have to come through that gate. And we get there about the time the plane's landing, and we know it's going to take a while. But I wish I could tell you in that moment I had the confidence and the trust, but I was scared to death. Because so many things had already gone wrong that I was waiting, what's going to go wrong now? They're not going to let her off the plane. They're not, we had all the paperwork, we'd done everything, something's going to go wrong. And so I, I'm here to tell you, it was probably an hour and a half, maybe two hours we waited, but it felt like days. And as I waited, I could feel fear and anxiety and doubt. I have another picture. It moves me because it's my son, Camden. He was just two years old when we started the journey. And two different times now, he experienced the heartbreak of his sister, who he thought was going to be his sister, was not coming home. And so now a third time, believing that finally his little sister 
was going to come home. And so on his own, in the waiting, he just knelt there in the middle of the aisle waiting. And so Lauren knelt down next to him. That picture is moving to me because it's my story. But I think for many of us in the room today, that represents the posture of your heart today. You're waiting. And maybe like me, you're waiting in the midst of a lot of fear and anxiety and uncertainty. And you want to believe that the promises of God are real, but you just aren't seeing it now. Today, what are you waiting for? The truth for us, it's not a truth that we like to hear in the midst of waiting. But the truth for us is that there is always something happening within us while we wait. I, I, man, I did not, if you told me that then, I'd tell you, shut up. I don't want to hear, you know, but, but I'm just telling you, in the waiting, God is doing something. He was doing something in me for year after year after year as we trusted and waited and felt the grief and the heartache. God was doing something in me, and, and I can't explain it. I love what uh, John Ortberg says, the author and writer, pastor. He says this, biblically, waiting is not just something we have to do until we get what we want. Waiting is part of the process of becoming who God wants us to be. And so today, I, I don't know where you are in your waiting, but I'm just here to say, perhaps, God is up to something in your waiting. Well, the story for me, it is a good ending. The story for me is experiencing the promise of God, because that little girl did get off that plane. And Man, is it not easy, and is it hard, and life is not like smooth sailing by any means, but there's a picture of my crew today, and if it looks like she's got her brother in a headlock, it's because she does, um, but that's her, and there's one more with her and her big sister. They like each other. It's cool. Um, today, I get to stand here experiencing the fulfillment of God's promise, even in years and years and years of waiting. I want us to close now with Acts chapter 2. I don't want to forget that. Because while this morning I've asked you about this idea of waiting and I've kind of presented the case of Jesus before he leaves this earth asking his disciples to wait, I want to make sure loud and clear that you see and understand that God kept his promise. <laughs> that Jesus, as he begins to leave and says, oh, you've got to wait, I want you to see the fulfillment of the promise of that waiting. And we're going to read just quickly through Acts 2, starting with verse 1. This is Pentecost. It says this, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all gathered together in one place and suddenly a sound like a violently blowing wind came from the sky and filled the whole house where they were staying. Tongues that looked like fire appeared to them. The tongues arranged themselves so that one came to rest on each believer and all the believers were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them the ability to speak. Devout Jewish men from every nation were living in Jerusalem. And they gathered when they heard the wind, and each person was startled to recognize his own dialect when the disciples spoke. Stunned and amazed, the people in the crowd said, All of these men who are speaking are Galileans. Why do we hear them speaking in our own native dialect? Skip down with me to verse 12, if you will. All of these devout men were stunned and puzzled, and they said, What can this mean? Others said jokingly, they're drunk on sweet wine. In verse 14, Peter stood up. Peter knew this was the moment they waited for. Day after day after day, moment after moment of waiting, he knew, wait, this is it. And so he stands up and he's ready. In a loud voice he said, men of Judea and everyone living in Jerusalem, understand this and pay attention to what I say. These men are not drunk as you suppose. 
It's only nine in the morning. Rather, this is what the prophet Joel spoke of when he said, in the last days, God says, I will pour my spirit out on everyone. Your sons and your daughters will speak what God has revealed. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. <laughs> and then if you keep reading, which I hope you do, Peter preaches, man, and not one, not two, not a thousand, thousands of believers, thousands of believers that day joined the church. And it wasn't that they built a building and held a service. It was a movement of God that could not be contained because the Spirit of God, His power, in His timing, for His purpose, had entered in, and the rest is history. We are here today because of this moment in time, this moment of obedience, this moment of waiting, and today we have the mission that we have because of the obedience of those first believers in the book of Acts. This morning, as we prepare to close, I want you to know two things, two things that Pentecost reminds us of, two things that Pentecost assures us of, and in your waiting today is so important. First, you have to know today, you have to know that our God is a promise keeper. We just, we just sang that. Way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper and I love that song I mean I get it gets me I don't I can't move well you know but I, I move a little bit to that song because it it resonates but it's not just because they're good and gifted and I like the song that song means something to me I can't sing about our God being a way maker and a promise it just without it doing something within me because that is so true and Pentecost is a reminder Jesus didn't just make an empty promise and head up to the right hand of the father no 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 he kept this promise the spirit did come just as he promised. And so today, in your waiting, know that we serve a God that is a promise keeper. But the second thing is almost more profound to me. In your waiting, would you know today that God is present in your waiting? The reality of Pentecost for us is this. That because of Pentecost, we enter into the New Covenant. And if you continue to read in the New Testament, you start to read things like the Apostle Paul talks about that we are temples of the Holy Spirit. And it used to be that the Spirit of God resided in a place. And you had to go to the place to experience the presence of God. And I love places. And I think God's, you know, there's something special about gathering at certain places. I like that. But we are New Testament believers. We are Pentecost believers. And because of that, we believe that God's presence doesn't have to dwell in a place. It can dwell in us. That God's presence is in us. And so the beautiful thing for you and for me is we don't wait wondering if God is present. We wait knowing that the Spirit of God is present within us. And that's a beautiful assurance for you today as you wait. The last thing I want you to share, it's beautiful. The band, they're going to come and help us as we prepare to close. But this statement, it moves me. It challenges me. And it's behind me on the screen. It says this, there is a difference between waiting on God and waiting with God. Because of Pentecost, we don't wait on God anymore. We don't. We don't. We wait with God. He's with us. He's with you in your heartbreak and in your brokenness and wherever it is that you stand today waiting, kneeling, wondering, hoping. You're not waiting on God today. You're waiting with God. He is with you. Why? Because we believe that the God of Pentecost is our God who came to live within us. And no matter who you are today and no matter where you are, you don't have to wait on God. You can wait with God. He's an ever-present help in times of trouble. 
So this morning, if you would just stand to your feet, we're going to prepare to close, and I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you in the waiting, wherever it is you find yourself. Some of you today, you're ready. You're ready to answer the call. You're being obedient. This idea of go, you're like, yes, 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 let's do it. But for some reason today, you just feel like you're stuck in neutral. Some of you feel like, I, I just, I can't hear God speak to me. I wish he would show me. Some of you feel like you're praying empty prayers today and you're just waiting. This morning, can I just encourage you that our God is a promise keeper and he is present. You don't wait alone. You don't wait on God today. You wait with him. He's with you and he's here. As the band begins to play, could you just pray? And, and in this moment, we want to commit our hearts to wait, to wait with him on his promise, to believe that he has not abandoned you, he has not left you, that it's his power and his timing and his plan and purpose for you. So today, Lord, we submit ourselves again to your work and to your will. It's not about me today. And Lord, in our waiting, it's painful. And in our waiting, anxiety and fear can rise up within us. And in our waiting, it's so easy to doubt the goodness of our God, but today we choose not to wait on you, but to wait with you. We ask that your Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that broke loose on that Pentecost, would come and reside in us. And we don't walk alone. We don't have to fear. For even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. Thank you, Jesus. We sing now, and we worship, and we wait with you. We love you. Great is your faithfulness. Thanks again for listening here today. If you enjoyed it and want to engage more, you can subscribe to this podcast through our website, abeaconofhope.org. That's abeaconofhope.org. Or if you're a Spotify user like me, you can search for us there and subscribe directly there as well. If you happen to be anywhere in the Shenandoah Valley here in Virginia, we'd love for you to join us at 1871 Boyers Road, Rockingham, Virginia. We meet each Sunday morning at 9 a.m., 10.30 a.m., and then again at 11.45 a.m. in Spanish. Celebrate Recovery also meets here each and every Monday night at 6 p.m. Thanks again, and we look forward to meeting you soon.